0: For today, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, specifically our scripture reading, verses 20 through 25. So I'm going to invite Heather to come. She's going to do our scripture reading for the day. And I'll pray, and then we'll get to work unpacking this passage here. 1
1: Corinthians 14, verse, verses 20 through 25, I believe. So brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your, na- in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written... By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you.
0: Amen. Thanks, Heather. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your scriptures that you've given to us to encourage us, train us, Rebuke us, correct us, all those things, Lord God. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you inspired these words to be written. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make your presence known here today. Bring these words to life in our hearts and in our minds. God, compel us toward the action that you would have for us. May it all be an overflow of the grace that we've received. God, we we wanna be active and we wanna be uh, involved and we wanna be working, but we we don't wanna do so from any place of fear or guilt, but we wanna do so from a place of rejoicing that our names are written in the book of life in heaven and that Jesus, you laid your life down for us. And so I pray for me today, God, you'd help me to only teach that which is in line with the truth from your word and you give all of us soft and teachable hearts today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know this this sermon series is uh, it's a little bit more tied together than a lot of sermon series often are that we teach and you know, we we love to just go book by book uh, line by line, through books of the bible that 's kind of our normal bread and butter. This is a topical series where we 're looking at a series of topics and so I would just encourage you if you 've missed any of the the last five weeks to go on our website or go on the podcast stream and, and, and catch up and listen to the different ones because they really all kind of go together and where we started out with was this idea of who the Holy Spirit is, and then we talked about how we 're one body with many parts, kind of this being held together in our diversity by the spirit, and then we looked at the more common gifts which you we know, identified about 15 in the New Testament. Then we looked at the more uncommon gifts, the, the kind of five more overtly supernatural miraculous gifts. And then last week, Pastor Shane really brought it to the very practical level. Here's how you can get involved. Here's how you can start using your gifts. So we've, we've really narrowed things down. We've gone from very broad to very individual. And now today we're going to zoom all the way back out to the top again and look at more of a corporate level. And the, the analogy, uh, uh, came to me this week. Have you ever gone to a doctor or maybe a chiropractor, a physical therapist for some issue that you were having? And then they start digging around. And like, yeah, my shoulder hurts. And they're like, well, actually, your, your shoulder is it's connected to this rib. And this rib is out of place. And actually, that rib is out of place because your spine is out of place. We need to adjust that. And your spine is out of place because your, your core muscles are weak and flabby. And you're like, I didn't come here to get insulted. And they're like, well, sorry. You just need to do some stuff. Right? You, you ever had that experience where you thought this one little problem was, was the problem, but you find out that it's all connected together? Anybody ever had that experience? Or is that just me? My wife had that with the, she thought she needed her back popped. Like, no, your rib is completely out and your whole right side is going to fall off. Like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. But we, 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 we are, as a body, as a human body, we're very interconnected. And if you have ever stubbed your pinky toe and you realize, oh, I didn't think my pinky toe was that important. And then when you've smashed your pinky toe, it's like all you can think about. We as a body, the people of God, this analogy of a body, it's it's very interconnected. What I don't want you to walk away from this sermon series thinking is my gifts, my wirings, my abilities are the most important. What I want you to understand and recognize, and this is really the big idea of where we're going today, is this. Each individual part has a role to play in the overall well-being of the body. Each individual part, your specific gifts, your specific abilities, your specific wirings, you are connected to every single other person in this room. You are connected to those children back in the kids ministry wing and the adults and volunteers who are back there serving. Your gifts are connected to the church down the street. My friend, uh, Bubba, who just texted me this morning, their church down in Tacoma, we're connected to them and we're connected to uh, my friend Phil over in Bothell and Evergreen. Like, we're connected to all these other churches that preach the Bible. And, and, and guess what? We are connected to Jesus Christ who is the head of the body. So as we talk about spiritual gifts, please don't walk away only with the individual mindset That's important. We have said that from the beginning. We want you to know what your gifts are and how to put them to use. But let's zoom back out and let's talk about things from a broad perspective. Now, I want to do something, a little detour real quickly before we get into this passage because over the course of the series, various questions have come up. People have asked them to me directly. We've talked about them in staff meetings. People have sent me messages or emails. And so I want to address a couple of the uh, sort of important questions Uh, That have come up. So one of the questions that's come up is, can gifts like change over time, or even can gifts like go dormant if they if they're not used? Can they kind of die off? Uh, What do you guys think? Anybody? Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, I think that gifts can change. Number one, we as Christians we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we're saved, but then verses like Ephesians five eighteen tell us we're to be always continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit is just always filling us new and filling us fresh, it's almost like we leak the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think new gifts can come. Uh, Jesus says of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 3, he says the Holy Spirit is like the wind. And the wind blows wherever it wishes. The, the Holy Spirit sometimes does surprising things. There was a gift there one day. It's not there the next. A new gift comes. I think the Holy Spirit can do some surprising things. But the, the, the second part of that question is, yes, gifts can go dormant. In 2 Timothy Chapter one: Paul is writing to his, his young protege Timothy, and he says, "I'm reminded of the, you know the the gifts that were put into you by your by the laying on of hands." And he says, "I want you to fan those gifts into flame." Somehow, like there's a, there's an encouragement slash a little bit of a correction there. Paul is saying to Timothy, "Hey, your gifts, they're not burning quite as hot as they once did. You need to get the bellows out and fan them into flame." Don't forget about your gifts. They were they were in you through the laying on of hands. And so, like a muscle, maybe, if you don't use that certain muscle, it starts to get weaker. It starts to atrophy. Some of you have spiritual gifts that God has given to you, and they are still sitting in the box, collecting dust. And God is asking you, God is inviting you, God is challenging you. I gave you that gift for a reason. Why are you letting it sit dormant? That might be for someone here today. I don't know. Another question that has been raised is, do spiritual gifts always align with natural abilities? What do you guys think about that? It's kind of a tough one. I'm actually asking you. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Here's what I would say. Sometimes. Sometimes. You know, John, great example. You are just naturally, uh, administratively gifted. That's just kind of how God's made you. And then when you come into the church, I've already seen the way that God's used that administrative gifting and wiring in the church to build up the church. I have also seen examples of people not named John who are administratively wired, and then they come in to use it in the church, and it is not a gift to the church. It's either done in a controlling manner. It's done in a very non-spirit empowered manner. It's actually been, I've seen it in the life of the church in my time, particularly in vocational ministry, where an administrative gift is actually used to the detriment of the church. I've also seen people who are really gifted in one thing, you know, in their job or in their neighborhood and then they come into the church and that like just doesn't even work and God does some like totally surprising different thing. So often, often, Spiritual gifts will align with natural abilities, but it doesn't always have to. I think of a guy like like Gideon or Peter. Gideon in the Old Testament, Peter in the New Testament. Both were kind of naturally chickens, weren't they? Gideon hiding out in a wine press. Peter, I'll never leave you, Lord. I gotta go, right? Like just kind of cowardly, naturally. Well, Gideon ends up leading the original 300 soldiers into battle. Peter stands up in front of thousands and thousands of people during the you know, festivals in Jerusalem, the feast days, and preaches a sermon, and we see thousands get saved. So men who are naturally pretty cowardly, the Holy Spirit showed up and turned them into courageous, brave spokesmen and leaders. I don't know that Gideon or Peter was naturally, if they're a you know, fourth grade teacher, they didn't have fourth grade, but you know what I mean, like they're fourth grade, yeah, they're going to be a great leader someday. Number three, Here's a good question. All this talk about serving and using your gifts and working, what if I get burnt out? Very valid question. Show of hands, how many of you at one time or another in your life have ever felt burnt out? Okay. (laughs) Some of you are like, I'm too tired to even raise my hands to answer that question right now. A couple of things to think about. Number one, you might be burnt out because you're serving outside of your gifting. Maybe. I don't believe, and, and, and Pastor Shane hit on this very well last week, we don't always get the opportunity to only serve and only do the things that perfectly align with my natural giftings and wirings, right? In my family, I do not feel like I have the spiritual gift of taking out the garbage. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to break. We have raccoons in our neighborhood lately. Someone's got to go out there and fight these evil beasts that are trying to, trying to kill me. My wife's not going to do it. <laughs> she's sitting there was like, yeah. And you, She's like, I don't have the spiritual gift of folding laundry either. And, you know, there's, sometimes there's just things that need to be done. But if you do too much of that, if there's nowhere in your life where you get to serve out of your passions and your giftings, yeah, you might get burnt out. Another reason you might be feeling burnt out is you're just serving too much in general. This is particularly with, with certain gifts come with this risk. I would say a gift of leadership comes with this risk. You might take on too many projects. Um, gifts of serving or helping. You might just say yes to everything that comes your way. Uh, gifts of mercy. Sometimes people with gifts of mercy, they say yes to every broken hearted person, every hurting person. You never know how to draw a boundary. You never know how to say no to somebody. Certain gifts come with a, more of a risk of just overuse. The administratively gifted people, Not so much because they got a spreadsheet with their time and they've got it all blocked out and they know when to say no, right? Number three, though, it might just be that you've lost your joy in Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you're serving according to your gifts or not serving according to your gifts. You're just serving according to the flesh. You're doing what you're doing out of obligation or duty or guilt or just because it's the right thing to do instead of remembering Jesus you came to seek and save lost people like me. You've redeemed me by your blood. You died and rose again that I could have the Holy Spirit present within me. And, and the book of Romans says that the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and at work within me so I can actually have joy in my serving. You might have just lost your focus. You might have lost your joy in Jesus. It's not that you're serving too much or serving in the wrong ways. You're just serving with a fleshly, uh, non-Holy Spirit-empowered spirit empowered type of approach, and it's time to find your joy in Jesus. Run to him. Repent of sin. Read what the scriptures have to say about God's rich love and grace and mercy for you. Could be some different reasons. Another question that's come up is, uh, how is our church gifted? I actually had um, a (laughs) <laughs> we have a spreadsheet um, of all the different people, 163, that took the spiritual gifts tests. And uh, so I'm just going to kind of start reading through and see how everybody—no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Dan Robertson. Not, not doing so well, bro. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, the, uh, Oh, man, I really want to, though. I just, I'm not going to, but I really want to. I'm going to exercise self-control. We, the elder team, uh, we took a, a Friday and we had just kind of a getaway day. We prayed. We took communion together. We went through some of this. We looked over just the different areas of our church, prayed about where God's leading us. And so I thought it'd be fun. I'll share with you our, our elder, the pastor elders, the top, a uh, few gifts in each one of, of our gift mixes. Uh, pastor Jamin, are you here? Yeah, he's right there. Okay, Pastor Jamin's uh, first two gifts are discernment and shepherding and wisdom. Sorry, there's a three-way tie. You can go ahead and put that next slide up there. I think it's in there. Discernment, shepherding, and wisdom, a three-way tie. So uh, I think that's good uh, for a pastor, shepherd, to have shepherding in their gift mix. That's good. Uh, leadership and then serving. And you were very low on tongues. So we'll work on that, Okay. Uh, Pastor Doug, his top four, kind of went one, two, three, four in a row. Faith, giving, shepherding, and mercy. So when we have our elder meetings, Pastor Doug's one's like, hey, could we be nice to people? We're like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> could we love them? Could we, sir, could we be nice? Okay, that's good. Uh, Pastor Shane, he has a two-way tie for the first two, administration and discernment. And then there's a three-way tie for the next one. It's knowledge, teaching, and wisdom. So uh, Shane often comes with a plan or with questions about how we're going to do all the crazy ideas that I've showed up at the elder meeting with. And and so that's a good balance there. And then I have uh, a tie for knowledge and teaching for the first one. Exhortation, which I was kind of bummed when I saw that because I specifically called that out as one that you have to be really careful with uh, a few weeks ago. And then apostleship and leadership And the apostleship, when we talked about that, for me, is it has to do with my love and my desire for networking and connecting with other churches and making sure to remind us that Sound City Bible Church is not the only show in town that we're part of the big capital C church. That's where that, that gifting comes into play. We, as Sound City Bible Church, here's our top four for us. The number one, and what we did is we looked at this whole list, and if it was in somebody's top three, we just counted it. So this is not a highly scientific analysis, but it's kind of a way to see what gifts are really present, okay? Number one gift in SoundSea Bible Church. Before we put it up, any guesses? Faith, Faith, yes. Good job. Who showed you the results? Michael? (laughs) Faith. 106 of you have faith in your top three. And I think that is for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think that um, being a very gospel-centered church, we're always talking about the trustworthiness of Jesus, the reliability of the scriptures, the reality of the gospel. It's not surprising to me to hear that. But also, number two, our history and our background, we came out of a very difficult church breakup, and we launched out into a new season. And I think there's just a lot of you like, man, if we could go through that and see Jesus be, be good to us and be faithful to us, you know, bring it on. So I think that's, that's present. Number two— any guesses? Yeah. Administration. Nerds. Oh, that's great. Uh, we, we do it actually with a larger, um, you know, serving teams and leadership and all that. I think this also has to do, there's two reasons I think this, this might be a little bit inflated. Number one, the area that we live in, I mean, a lot of you, you know, engineers, designers, people that have to work in fields, you know, with Microsoft, or Boeing, where you have to be administrative and you have to be organized. I also think that the administrative people were more likely to have taken the test because they actually, <laughs> the, the artists and the, you know, the mercy people were out there just caring for somebody, They're like, oh yeah, I should do that. Uh, <laughs> our third most uh, prevalent gift is discernment. I think, again, tying back to our value of uh, the word of God and truth and, and truth versus error. And then our fourth uh, one, which actually was really encouraging to me, was mercy. Uh, that there's, there's a lot of love, a lot of, a lot of gifting there. Our bottom three, prophecy was zero. Literally nobody had the gift of prophecy in their top three. That's neat. Um, apostleship, three. And then this one actually really broke my heart. And, uh, uh, evangelism bottom of the barrel. Now, again, maybe the evangelists were out there busy telling people about Jesus and didn't have time like the administrative people to take the test. I knew there was something I was supposed to do. I just got distracted. I ran into somebody and they started crying, so we just went there, right? Again, these results might be a little bit skewed, but this is an area that that we really feel as the elder team that God wants to grow us in. Those of you who do have gifts of evangelism, we need you to step into a new era, a new day of leading out because God is putting more and more opportunities in front of us as a church and there are many of us, many people without those gifts of evangelism that don't know how to do it or maybe you're intimidated. We need you to lead us. We need you to take those steps and show us how we can love people in the name of Jesus who don't yet know him. Okay? Thought that was interesting. So, with that said, let's dive into 1 Corinthians 14 for just a few minutes. This will not be my most detailed exegetical passage uh, uh, sermon I've ever preached, because I want to I zoom through this passage, and I want you to see a series of contrasts that the Apostle Paul makes. There's a series of contrasts. He says, hey, when the gifts are working well, it's going to look like this. And when the gifts are not working well, it's going to look like that. And so, we are faced with a choice, us as individuals, are we going to contribute to the overall health of the body? And the first contrast is this, building up self versus up building up the church. Paul writes, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So we need to up our game in that. That was really low for us as a church, but we're called to desire that we may prophesy. We're called to desire that God would speak his truth into our hearts and our minds and that we would communicate it in a timely and courageous and loving fashion. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. You remember two weeks ago, I talked about tongues of men and tongues of angels. Here we're talking about tongues of angels. On the other hand, there's our contrast. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. You see this contrast here. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, all right? You hear that? This is the word of God. I'm not making this up. I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. People with the gift of prophecy are not inherently better than people with the gift of tongues, but that the gift of tongues is an incomplete gift in and of itself. It's meant to be coupled with that gift of interpretation so that the church may be built up. Now, here's the thing. It is not a problem for you to want to be built up. I want you to be built up. You should want you to be built up as you follow Jesus, as you grow and as you mature. You should be stronger, healthier, more committed, more wise, more merciful, more tender, more confident of the truth of the gospel. You should be built up as a Christian. The problem is, is when your building up becomes an end in and of itself. The word of God is absolutely clear in passages like this and other places that you're being built up is so that you can in turn help build someone else up. Do you understand that? It's, 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 it's like if you have a gift of giving, okay? Some of you might have a spiritual gift of giving. You say, well, I just need to build up more finances and I need to build up more resources and then you just hold on to them and you never use them. It's not that having money or having finances or having resources is bad or wrong in and of itself, but it's a means to an end, the end being the glory of God and the helping of other people. Or if you have a gift of maybe administration, right? Uh, Somebody with a gift of administration, when it becomes a means, into I gotta get more organized, I gotta get more on my game, I gotta get more vision, I gotta get more plans put in place just so that everything can be neat and tidy and controlled and in a box, When we know that, yes, God is not a God of of chaos and disorder, but neither is God able to be contained by our spreadsheets and our plans and our prospectuses, prospecti. I don't know what the plural of that is, right? But it's good to grow in your ability to administer so that you can love and care for people. How many of you know, whether it's serving or volunteering or showing up to community group, aren't you thankful When there is someone with a genuine gift of administration who can just make sure things aren't chaotic, don't you guys actually love that? That's a gift used in service of building up the church. And so I ask you, is there anywhere where you are building yourself up at the expense of building up the body? It's not wrong to want to grow and to be built up, but if it terminates on itself, then you are not contributing to the overall health of the body the way that God wants for you. That's the first contrast. Second one, I'm going to call this the, uh, the right place, right time versus wrong place, wrong time, okay? Verse six, now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, he's using tongues and prophecy a lot as the contrast in this, but these principles can apply really to almost any of the gifts. If I come speaking in tongues, how am I going to benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what's played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for the battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that's not intelligible, how will anyone know what's said? You'll just be speaking into the air. There's doubtless many languages in the world, and none is without meaning— But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, here it is, since you are eager, that's a key word right there, you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So he uses the analogy of someone doesn't, you know, you're playing an instrument. Okay, um, I wish I had time to just call a volunteer. Who here does not play the guitar, right? Anybody here not play the guitar? Okay, Zach, you could come down, grab the guitar and just play us something. His wife's like, no, okay? So, right, like, three, yeah, exactly. That's all you need, man, three chords and, and, uh, and Jesus. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you're, you don't understand, not because you're not smart, not because you're not gifted, but you just don't understand. Like, you can't just hit all the strings at the same time. You can't put your fingers all over. The, you have to know where things go. There's a right place. There's a right time. There's a right approach to it. What Paul is saying, hey, with the use of your gifts, you need to know... Is the timing right? Is, is this the right moment to use your gift? Um, you guys ever heard, the, uh, you ever heard the analogy or the saying, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail? You ever heard that? So, so if, if you have this you know, gift of helping, you might think that everyone all the time just always wants and needs your help. Maybe. But other times, sometimes people need to actually struggle for a little bit so that they can grow. Right? Or maybe they're like, maybe they're not in a good mood and you showing up and helping is going to actually upset them more. You're, you need to learn how to have, is this the right time to use this gift? Or some of you have the gift of discernment, right? Truth versus error. A godly spirit, an ungodly spirit. Someone out there on the internet wrote something wrong. I can smell it. I'm going to get out there and you find it, right? Or or man, somebody's just really hurting they're in your community group and they just open up and they've been through just hell and back and they're frustrated and they're Maybe they said some things that just, eh, not the most biblically accurate. Is right then and there. Is that the time to jump on the discernment? Make sure you've got your theology. Maybe, maybe not. You need to know the right timing. All all that I want to say on this is be eager to use the gifts God's given to you, but we need to work on the right place, the right time, the right moment. You need to grow in self-awareness and others' awareness. I mean, conversely, Some of you have these spiritual gifts and God's been saying, go, go, now. And you're just like, when, when God, am I supposed to, right? (laughs) If you can't say amen, you can say, ouch. So I ask you, in the use of your gifts, is there anywhere where God's asking you to exercise patience? Maybe it's not the right moment. For others of you, is there anywhere where God is saying like, go, let's do this. Now is the time. Third contrast, I'm calling this connect versus disconnect, okay? Verse 13. Therefore, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with the spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you, I love this, verse 17, you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. The ever humble Paul. Uh, Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Okay, this is what I'm calling disconnect versus connect. This isn't necessarily about timing. This is about a sharpening and a right use of your gifts to build others up. So um, the analogy I've I've thought of is someone has a teaching gift— And they're talking with somebody else and they're teaching and they're sharing information and they're sharing all the wisdom and they're instructing. And then all of a sudden you look at the person and the person receiving it is just glassy-eyed and not a single thing that has been shared or taught has connected at all. Like, well, aren't you getting all this? Like, I, I am not following you. Well, then I took that online assessment. I have gifts of teaching. Yeah, well, you need to learn how to sharpen them. You need to grow from other people who have a teaching gift and can help you say, "Like, hey, you need, like, it could be as simple as you need to slow down. Your mind is very quick. Your tongue is even quicker. You just need to slow down so people have some time to track with you. Here he's talking about this gift of tongues. You're just praising the Lord and speaking in tongues. Meanwhile, you're completely unaware. There's a group of people looking at you like, what in the world is going on over there? Our gifts when they're connecting well, will lead to the building up of the body. But sometimes in the use of our gifts, we want to just kind of use them so that we feel good or so that we feel built up. Even faith, right? I've talked about faith. Faith is one of those ones you have to, you have to uh, use caution when you have the gift of faith. You know, someone's going through really hard times, like, man, I just believe that God's going to get you through this. And you're, you're, you're speaking things that might even be true. It's coming from a genuine place in your heart but you have to learn how to speak it and say it the right way so that it actually connects with the person who's in need of your gift. You guys understand? So if you have a gift of faith, maybe they're like, oh my goodness, I am so sorry you're going through this, and I will be here for you, and I want to just remind you that God is good, and God loves you, and we have faith in a God who's bigger than our circumstances. You can learn how to communicate these same things in a way that actually lands and in a way that actually connects. And so I want to ask you, who has God placed in your life to help you sharpen your gifts? Who do you have in your life that's got similar giftings, similar gift mix, sometimes we'll talk about because no, no two of us are the exact same. But who has God put in your life to help you sharpen these gifts? Number four. This is a short one. Brothers, look at this, look at this juxtaposition. Do not be children, In your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. Okay, mature thinking, thoughtful. Even if you don't have the gift of discernment, even if you don't have a gift of teaching, whatever it might be, you, Christian, are called to be what in your thinking? Mature. However, he says, be an infant baby in evil. That's an interesting contrast, isn't it? Sometimes what happens is we start to think more maturely. It leads you down some rather dark trails, doesn't it? You start having to study, you start learning, the Bible addresses certain things, you're paying attention to culture, you're understanding the, the things that are being said by culture and the underlying beliefs and assumptions. It starts leading you down some, some dark paths. And if we are not careful, we can buy into the misplaced notion that in order to be mature in our thinking means we need to know everything there is to know about sin and even uh, possibly participating in it. I'll pick on him uh, because I love him dearly. Uh, this last Friday, Pastor Doug at our, our elder getaway day, um, he's, he's the, uh, the elder statesman of our group. I'm the baby, then Pastor Jamin, then Shane's in the middle, and then Pastor Doug's our, our, uh, our elder statesman. He's not on social media. Uh, we successfully got him on Twitter on Friday. That was the big win of the elder getaway day. So, or Really close, really close. But we started talking about just some things that are going on in culture and some stuff. Shane and I were kind of bouncing back and forth, and Jamin was chiming in, and we're kind of talking about just some really sinful, wicked stuff that's happening in our culture right now. And Pastor Doug goes, hold on a second, I just need to ask do you mean, when you say this, are you meaning, and and kind of X, Y, Z? And we're like, yeah, this is what's going on. He goes, oh, no. And he just had this, like, shock and repulsion come over him. And this verse jumped in my mind. I'm like, "I, I love that Pastor Doug was unaware of just the perversion and wickedness that's becoming so prevalent in our society and our culture. And we walk through it, and like, we need to be wise in these things, we need to be able to shepherd people through this stuff, but I, I'm picking on him, but I'm actually not. I'm, I'm, hopefully it's an encouragement. I just was blessed that there was at least somebody in my life who wasn't painfully aware of all of the different areas of wickedness and sin in our culture. You're going to feel pressure, particularly if you came from a more fundamentalist or controlling sort of a background, you're going to feel pressure to swing the pendulum all the way over to the other side to be so wise in the ways of the world that you actually become worldly. The proper response to fundamentalism or over-controlling sort of stuff is not worldliness, it's Christ-likeness and true maturity in our thinking. So I ask you, where do you, some of you need to mature in your thinking. Some of you need to grow up Your faith is overly simplistic, babyish, and immature. You need to grow up. You need to sharpen your mind. Others of you have allowed yourself to be mature in evil. And you need to repent. And you need to ask Jesus for that faith like a child. The last contrast, verse 21. In the law it is written, and then he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. In the law, it's written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. He's talking about the hard heartedness of the people. He says, even if foreigners come in and start speaking in foreign language, they are still not going to listen. Thus, the Apostle Paul concludes, tongues are not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers. Well, prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Kind of confusing to follow, but basically what he's saying is tongues, these foreigners are going to come in and speak in tongues. And all it's going to do is confirm unbelievers in their unbelief. The message is going to come and they just won't hear it. It doesn't matter what language it's spoken in. They will not hear it. By contrast, prophecy is a sign that's going to confirm believers in their belief. When, when someone with a prophetic gifting stands up and speaks, this is sin, we need to repent, let's turn to the Lord, this is who God is, believers are going to say, yes, absolutely. And it's a con- confirmation that you're a believer. Verse 23 though, and listen with this. If therefore the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, everyone, all, speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? What is the answer to that question, Sound City Bible Church? It is a clear resounding yes. Yes. Pastor James. It's a clear resounding yes, OK? Same 2,000 years ago as it is today. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever and outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. I used the word here for the contrast of clickishness or being a clicky. You guys know that word, a click? A group of people that all have a shared set of interests and beliefs and commonalities, and it can be really hard to break into. If everyone is speaking in tongues, we're all doing this one thing. We are in a circle. We're huddled up. We are facing one another, but our backs are turned to the outside world and there's no room for anyone to break in to our holy huddle. This does not just happen with the gift of tongues. This can happen with any and all of our gifts where we only are concerned with building up and caring for those who already believe the same as we do. Why? Because it's safer. It's easier, it's fearful and dangerous to tip your hand to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus that you literally believe that they crucified Jesus and on the third day he rose from the dead and the tomb is empty That can be fearful, right? Do your gifts have an evangelistic expression anywhere? Or are your gifts only focused inward? on the building up of the church. Remember, the building up of the church is not just only building up and strengthening what already exists, but it means adding to what should be that God has ordained people for eternal life and that you through the exercise of your gifts, you get to play this I mean what what an amazing God that you get to play a small bit role in him saving somebody. It's his work. God saves people. We don't save anybody. His job is results. Our job is faithfulness. And our job is awareness. (laughs) I would submit to you that mission, evangelism, outreach, those are almost always the first to go in the life of the church. Because it's fearful. It's hard. And so I ask you, where do your gifts have an evangelistic expression and where should they? Where could they? (sighs) Let me just say a couple of things to kind of conclude this up. First of all, I I alluded to this at the beginning, but I want to make sure that we understand this. Our use of our gifts, yes, it's for us. When you're really using your gifts well, you get joy. I mean, can anybody just raise your hand and say, I have experienced joy in the right using of my gifts? Isn't that a great thing? to know that you're actually doing what God has created you to do. I I took this gift test. It says knowledge and teaching and exhortation and leadership. I'm like, well, praise God. I think I'm in a pretty good role for my gifts, right? I feel joyful. I just met some new pastors this last week and kind of tell them just about our church. And I'm like, I am joyful. I'm really, I am personally joyful. I know many of you are serving and using your gifts. Yes, your gifts are for the building up of the body, but we must remember that the body does not belong to us. Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is the head of the body. So as we use our gifts, yes, it's for our joy. Yes, it's for the benefit of our fellow Christians. Yes, it's to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus yet, but all of this ultimately is for the glory of God. All of this is to point people young, old, rich, poor, black, white, Republican, Democrat, all to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. He is the one who laid down his life on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He's the one that rose from the dead to offer eternal life to all who would trust in him. He's the one that sends the Holy Spirit to empower us for mission and service and evangelism. For, for love, for administration, for hospitality, for singing and worship and preaching and teaching and community group leading and kids ministry leading and soundboard, slide, computer running. All of it is empowered by the Holy Spirit for the glory of our Savior, Jesus when we're zooming back out, let's not just zoom out to the level of Sound City Bible Church. Let's zoom out to the level of the entire cosmos where Jesus says, I'm uniting all things in heaven and earth to myself and our gifts have just a beautiful, small, glorious part to play in all of that. Can you believe it, church? Can you even, can you even wrap your mind around that? That before the foundation of the earth, God knew Who would be his? And he knew just how you'd be wired and your gifts, your strengths, your weaknesses, your quirks, your idiosyncrasies. And he says, yeah, I I want that person to be part of my body. I've got a beautiful part for them to play. And as Jesus is redeeming and restoring all things, you're invited to serve in that way. Isn't it amazing, church? I, I I can't even do this idea justice. It's almost beyond what we can actually grasp. It's beyond what we can actually understand, but it's true. It's all about His glory. I believe that God's calling us, I said this at the beginning of the series, but we're, we're kind of at a crossroads, Sound City. Um, we have enjoyed a tremendous amount of God's grace over the last two and a half years, almost three years now that we've been a church body. Would you agree? Just remarkable amounts of grace, letting us relaunch, replant out of the closing down of a previous church. You know, moving into this new facility and stabilizing things. And I've used the analogy, um, I'm just going to speak very directly to Sound City. If you're a guest or visitor, please forgive me. I just want to speak to us here. We were born looking older than we are because we had you know building we had staff people we had something but we were, we were like one of those babies that's born with like a full head of hair and teeth you're like that's a freak right like um, like why aren't you reading and writing yet oh because they're 9 months old got it right so I think our church is kind of like that. We were born looking older than we are, but in many ways we've had to really reset some foundations and relearn how we do things and membership and eldership and really excited we have deacons coming here in the next few uh, weeks and months, uh, a group of people that we've identified to be commissioned in the office of deacon for our church. What a joy that is. Finding a network, you know, getting some rhythms. And we're at a crossroads, Sound City. Specifically when it comes to mission and evangelism, share one story with you as I, as I close. This week, um, we've been talking about kind of pushing the gas pedal with mission and, and reaching the lost with our staff and our elder team. And, and even in my community group, we've been talking about it. And then just this week, God brought a pretty miraculous opportunity to jump in and, and to dive in and help serve somebody who's relationally connected but is not yet a believer in Jesus. So I jumped on the phone. I started calling some people and I've been texting some people. But I've had this sense of like, the right word would be some angst. Like, God, are we going to be able to actually do this? If you're giving us these opportunities for evangelism and mission, who in our church, I mean, I I saw the spreadsheet. It's not our greatest strength. It's not our greatest area of of passion and wiring and gifting. How are we going to be able to do this, God? I had some fear in my heart. What is God going to call us to in this next season? Where do your gifts play a part in that? How is God saying now to you in the life of Sound City Bible Church. And by the way, Sunday service is not the only place that your gifts have an expression. Your neighborhood, your home, your workplace, your school, your community group, your wherever you go. God wants to use your gifts in a unique and a special way for His glory. And we're at a crossroads. Where we go from here, I'm excited to see. I'm a little nervous. Can I be honest with you? but I'm excited to see what Jesus wants to do in and through us in the months and years to come. Would you pray with me, God? I ask that you'd help us to keep a big picture mindset when it comes to our gifts. Help us to not become myopic. Help us to not only look at ourselves or or, or just our own individual gifts. God, help us to not look at our individual church, but to recognize that we're connected to the, the broader body of Christ. God, I ask and pray that you would lead us and guide us in this next season. Thank you for these last few weeks of just teaching and, and, and truth from your word about our gifts and our wirings and how you, you've made us and created us unto good works. And I pray, God, that you would give us courage to follow you where you lead us. God, I pray you'd give us peace even when things, the, 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 the proverbial waves are, are big. The storm is rough. Give us peace. Give us confidence. Give us courage in you. And we pray that we would not only look to ourselves, our gifts, but we'd remember Jesus, that this is all for your glory. Amen. I want to call us into a time of of response. The first way we're going to respond is through giving. Some of you have the spiritual gift of giving, and, and God wants you to, to just give. That, praise God for that. But uh, for all the rest of us, we, we give as an act of worship. We don't give out of, again, guilt or obligation, but we give as an act of worship. So while they're collecting the offering, um, the, you, guys can, you guys can give online as well if you want. They're going to kind of go from the back to the front. We're also going to in a minute celebrate the Lord's table. I'm going to read the, the, the passage from the Lord's table. Normally during this time, I read through the discussion questions, but I want to, I want to do something a little bit different today, okay? Um, I'm going to read through the prayer points. Will you go ahead and skip to the prayer point slide? Here's a couple of things I want us to pray about. Pray that God would grow us in maturity and health so that our gifts give glory to God. And pray that God would use our gifts to build up the church and to reach people with the love of Jesus. Here's, here's what I want to invite us to do today. i to get a little bit... A little bit outside of the box. I know this can possibly make some of you uncomfortable, so nobody's going to be forced to do anything. But we're going to take an extended time. I'll invite the musicians to come. And as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's table, I'm going to invite you, whether it's you individually by yourself, or if you're here with a spouse, or with a friend, or you with a community group, to actually gather up in groups of two, three, four, five. And we're going to leave these prayer points up on the screen for three or four minutes. I want to invite you to, in small groups of people, start praying for what God has for us in this next season as a church. Coming out of a series like this, there's been a lot of aha moments. There's been a lot of like, oh, I I'm convicted. I need to grow in this way or start serving this way. We need to go before the Lord in prayer. Amen? And so I don't want to just rush through the service. We're going to sit and we're going to, the musicians will play some instrumental music. And so I'm going to invite you to gather together in, in groups. Uh, you can literally, you are free if you want to like actually get up out of your chair and move across the room and go sit with somebody from your community group who, you got here later than them and you're not sitting with them. You know what I mean? Like we can get crazy, like get up out of our chairs and go find you. It's just nuts, pandemonium, okay? I'm gonna read the passage for the Lord's table. We'll celebrate the Lord's table together as well and then we'll go into this more extended time of prayer. Again, you don't have to do any of that if that is um, just, you're an introvert and that's your worst nightmare. You don't have to do any of that Uh, but I do wanna encourage you if you would to be brave to gather together with some people for prayer. 1 Corinthians 11, the apostle Paul writes that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. As we eat of this bread, Christ's body was broken that we might be brought in to be the body of Christ. It's a beautiful and amazing thing. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, an unexamined manner, a hard-hearted manner, will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Friends, we take this time seriously. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Search my heart, Lord. See if there is any unclean way within me. Lead me in the way everlasting, the psalmist writes. So let's do this now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray briefly and allow the musicians to just play instrumentally. Seriously, if you wanna get up from your chair or go gather with someone else, that's totally okay to do so. But let's pray together. Out loud, you can just lift your voices and, and and we're gonna take a few minutes with these prayer points that they have up on the screen. And then when the time's right, David, you guys can just invite everyone to stand and we'll sing together. So let me pray. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence with us here right now in this room, Lord God. Thank you that you've not left us, you've not abandoned us, you've not forsaken us. Thank you, God, that you've called us to something greater than just coming to a church service on a Sunday. You've called us to be a part of the mission of showing your grace and your redemption to a lost and hurting and broken world. I pray, God, right now, as we pray, Holy Spirit, you'd even help us to know what to pray. You'd help us to know how to pray. Knit our hearts together as a body, knit our hearts together as a church family, that all we do would be for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. Church, let's go ahead and gather up now in, in groups of two to four, five, six, however you want. And let's spend a little bit of time praying before we sing.